What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the new Netflix movie, All the Bright Places, starring Elle Fanning and Justice Smith. Here's a quick synopsis about the movie based on the hit book. Violet Markey is going through a personal tragedy when she partners with Theodore Finch on a school project, and they bond about their past. I enjoyed this movie way more than I ever thought was possible, and that has to come down to, in a movie like this, the two lead characters. Let's start with Elle Fanning, who has made it a mission to play complicated teenage characters. said this before, and I'll say it again, Elle Fanning's performance in 2013 Century Women is one of the best performances I've ever seen by an actress. Then she was in the movie Teen Spirit, which I did a podcast on. If you look back in the Pop Culture Spotlight archives, check out that episode. And in this movie, she's phenomenal. She's not just playing an ordinary teenage girl ever. She's playing complicated teenage characters, which I give her a ton of credit for because she's at that age, she's 21 years old, where she's kind of trapped to playing teenage characters for quite a long time, but she's found a way to make them interesting and be in really quality movies. She is free for free playing complicated teenage characters. All three of those movies are entertaining and meaningful. And I think the most impressive thing about the run that Elle Fanning is on playing these characters, none of them are alike. The character from 20th Century Women is probably the most different from the past two characters. Teen Spirit, she's trying to become a pop star. In this movie, she's a writer. Like, there's no similarities between the performances. Like, sometimes when you see someone play a teenager over and over again, they seem to be playing like the same type of person. Like there are actresses who over and over again play the popular girl in movies like that's their thing. The most interesting and fascinating and spectacular thing about Elle Fanning is she is not doing a thing. She is playing well-developed, very different unique characters. I've probably said this before, but she is definitely an actress on the rise. Like there's an Oscar nomination coming for Elle Fanning soon. That's what I think her star level is. I also want to point out that both the Fanning sisters are on quite a run recently. Like Dakota Fanning was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was spooky good. Elle Fanning, last year she had Teen Spirit, Maleficent 2. Now she's in All the Bright Places. Like these Fanning sisters are a formidable sister acting duo. I think what makes Elle Fanning special is that there are these scenes where she's having the time of her life and then later in the movie it gets dark and yet it's believable. I guess what I'm saying is she can play dramatic and upbeat so well. Like There are so many people that are stuck in the same mood when you see them on screen. Like Elle Fanning can play both moods. I think she's so versatile. I, I think she's underrated at this point. Like I don't think we're giving enough appreciation for the work she's doing in movies recently. I mean, the first time I saw her was in We Bought a Zoo and I was like, who is that? She took over a movie that had Matt Damon. Then Maleficent. She took over a movie that had Angelina Jolie, then 20th Century Women, she took over a movie that had Annette Bening, then Teen Spirit, and now with All the Bright Places. That's without even mentioning her great performance in the sci-fi movie Super 8. She also has a really good supporting role in the movie Trumbo with Bryan Cranston. Like, Elle Fanning is an actress on the rise, people. Then you have the other lead of this movie, Justice Smith. And I think in this movie, Justice Smith proves that he's more than just a comedic sidekick. 
mistake because if you look at his filmography up until this point, he was in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom as like the comedic sidekick to Chris Pratt. Okay, pretty good role. Then he was in Detective Pikachu where he was the sidekick role to Ryan Reynolds. In this movie, he proves he has the dramatic chops to be a serious male lead of a movie. There are definitely moments in this movie where he can take over it comedically and you're like, wow, he's actually really funny in this movie at times. Like the scenes where his character Theodore Finch is meeting with a guidance counselor played by Keegan-Michael Key. You're like, wow, he's really funny in this moment. But again, like Elle, he's believable in those darker moments as the movie starts to feel more dramatic. I had heard about this movie for a while and I knew Elle Fanning was in it and I knew she was going to bring it and give a terrific performance. The one wild card was Justice Smith. If his portrayal of Theodore Finch didn't work, then the movie didn't work. It needed both of their leads to be equally interesting or this movie falls apart. Luckily, both of these actors give terrific performances in all the bright places. Alexandra Shipp was also in this movie. I think she was terrific. You might know her from X-Men, Apocalypse, and Dark Phoenix as Storm, which by the way, those movies aren't so great. She's interesting in them, but this was the first time I was like, there's something there with Alexandra Shipp. I think she gives a really good performance as Theodore's sister. Like, she knows where there's scenes with them where she knows he has a problem, but she can't quite get to what's wrong with her brother. I mean, those are some serious moments she really cares for him. I mean, there's only a couple of scenes of them together, and for you to feel that brotherly-sisterly bond, I think is quite special in a movie like this. Also, shout out to Luke Wilson, who I love in old school, for getting to the part of his career where he is now playing the overprotective father. I don't do this a lot, but I now want to talk about the screenwriter of this movie, Liz Hanna. Who is Liz Hanna? She is one of the most formidable screenwriters in Hollywood right now. She is free for free in delivering really good movies with really good scripts. The Post, an Oscar-nominated movie starring Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Then she co-wrote Long Shot starring Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron, where Seth Rogen gave his best comedic performance in years, and it was Charlize Theron proving she can be great in a comedy. And now Liz Hanna's written All the Bright Places with the author of the book, Jennifer Nivens. I mean, she's free for free in movies, and every movie she's written, there's been at least one, mostly two, really good performances in The Post, Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, in Longshot, Seth Rogen, and Charlize Theron, and now in All the Bright Places, Elle Fanning and Dakota Fanning. Like, Liz Hanna is becoming a star screenwriter if she writes a movie, I want to go out and watch that movie because I have now have faith that when she writes a movie, it is going to be a high quality motion picture. Now, here's a list of things that I really like about all the bright places. First, we got to talk about that opening scene. It's so jarring. I'll just describe it to you. Elle Fanning's character, Violet, is on a bridge when Justice Smith's character, Theodore, shows up. Like, just that scene alone, it's jarring. It's kind of a dark opening when you realize what happened on that bridge. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's just like that moment is when you realize that this relationship is going to be unique and different than what you've seen in most other teen love stories. And after you see the movie, you're like, that was the appropriate way to open this movie because it was going to be unique and different. And if they had started that in that traditional sense where they just meet at school or something like that, you're 
you're like, okay, you're not going to get it. But this movie right away tells you what it's going to be like up front. And I think that's something different in movies. Sometimes movies start out away and you're like, wow, halfway through, you're like, why did this get so dramatic and weird? This movie right away revealed itself to what it was going to be. And I thought that was appropriate for what I was watching. Of course, the chemistry between Elle Fanning and Justice Smith. If these two people do not have chemistry, this movie is unwatchable. And it's the opposite of that. They have extreme chemistry together. The scene where she gets into his car for the first time is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Also, when he starts calling her ultraviolet, I got moved by that. I, a 25-year-old male, got moved by another 20-year-old calling a young lady ultraviolet. That's how good this movie was to me. There's also a nice buildup to her caring for him that by the time she starts worrying about him, you two start worrying about him. I don't know about you, but sometimes in romantic movies, the characters start caring for each other way too soon and you're like, wow, I don't even know this person yet, yet I care that they're in this dire situation. No, by the time Theodore Finch starts to struggle in this movie, you start to feel for him. The way I can explain to you is that when two people have chemistry in a movie like this, you let all the other corny stuff go away that doesn't bother you anymore. Like if they don't have chemistry, there's always a scene in a movie and there's one in this movie where the best friend says to the male character, who are you looking at? And it's always the girl he's in love with. And for some reason, the character always knows who that person is looking at. Like, it's the weirdest thing in movies ever. The friend goes, oh, you're looking at Violet Markey? Like, when have you ever been interested in her before? Like, that's not a moment that you ever have in real life. But because Justice Smith and Elle Fanning actually have chemistry, and there was a scene with them before that, and you start to build on that chemistry, you let a moment like that go. That's what strong chemistry does in a movie like this. Sometimes this movie is corny, but you let it go because there is a meaningful relationship around the movie. If the relationship doesn't work, that moment would drive me bonkers. The other thing I really enjoyed about this movie is it gave equal time and narrative to both characters. Sometimes in these movies, it can feel lopsided, like all about the female or all about the male. No, this movie gives time to both of your of the characters so that when bad things happen to them, you care for both of them. Violet and Theodore Finch are fully developed characters. There are plenty of scenes with her and her pet parents and there are scenes with Theodore and his sister. They give time to both characters to become fully formed people that you should care about in this movie. I mean, that's the thing that makes these kind of movies impossible to like because you have to like both of the main characters and a lot of the times you're like, ooh, I only like Matthew McConaughey in this romantic movie or I only like whoever else in this romantic movie. Like, you can only really like one of the co-leads, but in this movie, because it's more dramatic you care for both of the lead characters. I feel like 95% of the time does not happen for me. Even in good movies, you don't always care about the other co-romantic lead. For instance, in the movie Reality Bites, I only care about Winona Ryder's character. I don't care about Ethan Hawke's character, and I don't care about Ben Stiller's character, because they're not developed enough. Like, Winona Ryder dominates that movie. I really enjoyed this movie, but a movie like All the Bright Places, you care about both lead characters. You care about Elle Fanning's character, Violet, and Justice Smith's character, 
Theodore Finch. That sounds simple, but most of the time, people, I'm telling you, you don't care about both people in these kind of movies. Another thing I liked about this movie, it is visually stunning, and I think it almost does the impossible. Makes me want to visit Indiana because it looks like they're seeing some very cool things to visit. Throughout the movie, for their school project, they are visiting interesting places in Indiana, and there's a scene where they go on a roller coaster, and you're like, wow, the way this is shot, you're like, I want to go on that roller coaster right now or the scene where they're doing a hike in the woods like you're like okay and they're swimming and you're like okay this is visually kind of amazing after i saw all the bright places there was one thing it reminded me of i had just seen and i also done a podcast on this hulu show looking for alaska i think there's a lot of similarities between the two they're both based on a book i mean looking for alaska is more comedic in tone like that series is just way more comedic than this movie but they are both dark teenage love stories. Again, I'm not going to spoil either of them, but they both end in kind of a dark way. I would go as far as to say that All the Bright Places is the high school version of Looking for Alaska. All the Bright Places kind of does a role reversal than Looking for Alaska. In Looking for Alaska, it's the female character, Alaska, that is the mysterious one. In this one, Theodore Finch is a mystery to both his family and to Violet. I also think Looking for Alaska is more about a friend group, and All the Bright Places is about more of a romantic relationship between Finch and Violet. Our scenes with other people, but most of the time in this movie, like the best scenes in this movie, they are having a good time together alone. The biggest difference between All the Bright Places and Looking for Alaska is the tone. Like, this is just way more dramatic from the get-go. The biggest similarity is two people forming a bond that will last a lifetime. Boiling it, I do want to talk about the dark ending from All the Bright Places, because I think it shows that what happens... Now, Theodore Finch has a mental illness that is ignored and undiagnosed. I think the movie uses over-the-top high school cruelty to show a lesson. Like, throughout the movie, there are people calling Theodore Finch at his high school a freak. And the idea or the main theme or the lesson from this movie is that you should not be cruel to someone that you don't understand what's going on with them. Again, I would like to think in 2020 that most people would not call someone with mental illness or having issues call them a freak. I would like to think that's the truth. I like to think that this movie is, again, using over-the-top, movie-like high school cruelty. I don't know if that's the case or not, but that's what I would like to believe. That feels like a common theme in movies recently. Like, it's a weird comparison to make, but when I saw The Joker with Arthur Fleck, it's like if a bunch of people were more understanding of what was going on with Arthur Fleck, then things might have been different between him and them. The same thing with Theodore Finch. There were three people in his life who seemed to care about what was going on with him. The teacher, his counselor, played by Keegan-Michael Key, his sister, and Dakota Fanning's character, Violet. He needed more support from strangers. It's basically what you need. You need to be decent to strangers, especially when you don't understand what's going on with them. Just be kind. It's simple. Again, I think we all know not to call someone a freak. Again, that's over the top, but it's a message and a theme that I think is worth exploring in movies, and I find it interesting that it has become a like main theme in movies recently. I feel like the arc that Violet goes on in this movie is 
is like harder to state what's happening, but it's kind of equally interesting. Like there's one point in this movie where Finch asks her, what's your biggest fear? And then she says death because of a tragedy that occurred before the start of the movie. And then he says, no, really, what is your biggest fear? Because he doesn't believe that that's her biggest fear. And then she says the fear of being ordinary. I think that's relatable to a lot of teenagers. Again, when she says that and you like think back about what happened in the film earlier, it starts to make the character make sense. Like this is somebody who didn't want to go to a wild party with her friends. She didn't want to do a school project until Finch made it exciting. And he was like, we're going to drive 170 miles to go somewhere with someone she barely knows. Like this is somebody who, who wanted spontaneity in her life and wanted to make things interesting. I mean, this is also somebody who wants to be a writer. I mean, I feel like most writers are like that. Like, I feel like this was a very believable character. And she didn't say it in like this, I'm chasing fame type of way. Like, I want to be extraordinarily rich. It's not a quest for money. It's a quest for experiences and adventure. Like, I thought that that was a noble, like, thing for a teenage character to say in a movie. She didn't say, I want to be Instagram famous. She just said, I don't want to be ordinary. And there's a scene where her and Finch are texting each other quotes from books. Their relationship is not ordinary. That's why I think it works for her and him from the beginning. This movie also did something I actually really enjoyed. Most of these movies don't do this, where the parents of one of the characters are never understanding of the relationship that's going on. Like, Luke Wilson, I joked about it before, is an overprotective father. But there's a scene where... Theodore Finch is having struggles and they can't find him. And Elle Fanning's character, Violet, tells her why this relationship is meaningful for her and how he helped her. And her dad is understanding of their relationship now. Like, I just think that's something that just can't happen in these movies a lot. Like, it just doesn't happen in these movies. The parents are just like, this relationship is bad for you. We're never going to approve of this relationship. Or, or we're never going to forgive you for that one night you went out and didn't return home on time. Like, some of these movies just can't get over that. Like, again, I just think this movie, like, yes, that's something that's been done in movies over the years. Overprotective fathers being worried about their daughter in a relationship with someone. But again, he, she just was like, yes, this is why this relationship is meaningful. She explained to him what happened at that bridge. And it's like, wow, that's a moment that you don't see in a lot of these movies. He was understanding of where the relationship was coming from. His archetype as the overprotective parent... He actually evolved at the end of the movie. Here's the last thing I'll say about All the Bright Places. There will continue to be romantic teen movies. Some funny, some dramatic. They will continue to make these kind of movies. They will continue to make movies with complicated romances. This one is unique in the themes that it's dealing with and the strong chemistry between the lead characters. It stands on its own as its own movie. And I'll say this for the thousand time I think the reason why Netflix has gotten so good at making romantic comedies and dramas alike is because they understand this idea that if the chemistry between the lead characters isn't there, the movie isn't going to work out. Let's look at some of the recent romantic movies by Netflix. To all the boys I loved before, there's extreme chemistry between Noah Centonino and Lana Condor. Set it up, there's extreme chemistry between Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell, and now for... All the bright places, there is extreme chemistry between Dakota Fanning and 
and Justice Smith. All three of those movies have different tones. Some of them are more dramatic, some of them are more comedic, but the one thing they have in common is the chemistry between the two lead characters. If you want to make a movie about a love story, a teenage love story, or any love story, there needs to be chemistry between both of the characters. If you get anything out of this podcast, you have to agree with me on that one. I can talk about how visually stunning this movie is, the narrative, but the reason why this is a meaningful adaptation of the book is because of the performances of Elle Fanning and Justice Smith. The two of them are the reason why this movie worked. Right from the get-go, you know what you're getting from this movie. You're going to get an emotional, meaningful relationship. There's going to be some fun times. It's going to be entertaining, and they are going to deal with some dark themes and meaningful themes. I think that's why this movie is special. It's unique. It's different. It's the type of movie that you will be thinking about long after you have seen it. It makes me want to read the book. That's how special this movie is for me. Like I have, n- I have not read the book, All the Bright Places. I am definitely going to do so now because of how really good I thought this movie is. I really recommend you check out All the Bright Places. It's on Netflix. It has great performances by Elle Fanning and Justice Smith. So definitely check out All the Bright Places. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. So please rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>